Well, we are in the book of 1 Samuel. As many of you know, we're on our fifth message in this series. And we're in chapter 3 this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Years ago, when telegraph was actually the fastest way to communicate long distance, there was a young man who applied for a job that he saw advertised in the newspaper. And so he went to the office address, and uh, as he went into the uh, office, he heard the sounds of clatter and noise and, and the telegraph ticking away in the background. He went up to the desk, and he, he saw a sign that said, uh, Fill out a form and be seated, and when you hear uh, your, your name called, then go ahead and, and uh, come in, and you'll be interviewed. And so he filled out a form, and he put the, uh, put the form in, and then he waited until he was summoned. He noticed that before he arrived, there were seven other applicants who had already gotten there and filled out their forms and were waiting as well. After a few minutes went by, all of a sudden, the other applicants saw this newer guy just get up out of his seat and walk over into the inner office and knock on the door and walk into the office. A few minutes later, he came out along with the boss, and the boss notified all the seven applicants that they could go home, the job's already been filled. Well, they were pretty surprised, and one of them was offended, and he said, we don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. This isn't even fair. This guy came in last, and why is he getting the job? We haven't even had a chance to interview for the job. Well, the boss said, if you'd have been listening, we've been ticking away a message in Morse code that said, if you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours, and none of you understood or heard the message, and so this man is going to receive the job. Now, it's interesting that our whole world is filled like that telegraph office. It's filled with clatters and chatters and noise and distractions, and all the while, God is wanting to speak to us through all of the, that noise, and we get distracted from it. It's difficult sometimes to hear God's voice. Have you heard God's voice lately speaking to you? And I need to kind of preface this. I personally have never heard God's voice audibly, so don't expect God to talk to you audibly. He has, some of you probably have heard an audible voice from God. I, I have never had that privilege. But I've heard his voice speak to my heart and into my mind very clearly. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, you know that you really know that God has spoken. We need to be tuned in to hear his voice. I love what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with them and they with me. I don't think the question is whether Jesus wants to speak with us. I think the question is, are we listening and ready to listen when his voice does speak? Do we hear when he speaks? Are we listening? 
Today, we're going to be studying more about how to understand, how to discern the voice of the Lord when he speaks to us. How can we hear him when he speaks? John chapter 10, verse 27, you'll remember Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's a promise. His sheep will hear his voice. How many of you have heard God speak to you lately? So there's four things I want to draw our attention to this morning in our text. The first is who God speaks to. Secondly, when God speaks. Third, where God speaks. And fourth, why God speaks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. And so, Lord, we, we cry out, word of God, speak to us. That our, our precious Savior, that his voice might be heard by us, his sheep. Lord, that you would communicate to us. That you'd help us to know more about how and why and where you want to speak to us so that, Lord, we will be attentive to your voice. And so, Lord, speak to us from your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> then the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim, that he could not see. And before the lamp of, the, of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, here I am. Now, I find it interesting, as we read this story, that we find that Eli is the high priest, and he doesn't even hear the voice of God when he speaks. He doesn't. Little Samuel did, but God's high priest doesn't hear God's voice. And sometimes I think that God kind of bypasses us when we contend to be kind of older saints in the Lord, where we've kind of been walking with Jesus for a decade or, or more, and we start to think, you know, I've kind of heard all this before. I know the Bible pretty well, and okay, it's another message, another time. And we kind of just get to where we become plat, plat, uh, passive in our relationship with God to where he's, he wants to speak to us, but somehow we just... Don't hear his voice. And Eli didn't ever hear God's voice when he spoke and he called out to Samuel these three times. I think more often that God wants to speak to those with a childlike heart. He wants to speak to those that come to us as a, as a child that, that is expectant and wants to hear from him and is ready to listen to his voice. Now, Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that at this time Samuel was 12 years old. And it says in verse 1, did you notice it? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Isn't that an interesting statement? Why was the word of the Lord 
rare. Why wasn't he speaking to his people? Well, we found out from the previous chapter last week that it was because there was sin in God's worship, wasn't there? Remember, Eli's sons were robbing God of some of the offering portions that were dedicated only to be given to the Lord, and they were robbing those for themselves, and they were causing the people of God, the Israelites, to, to disdain even bringing their offering because they knew things were not right and this was wrong, and it had become kind of a mockery and a sham of the worship of God. And then to make things worse, his two sons, they were actually sleeping with carnally the, the women that were serving, the godly women that came to serve and, and to assist in the, in the temple duties. And so it was such a, a corrupt time that it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. But I want you to notice as we continue reading that the message God speaks to Samuel concerns Eli and the profanity of his two sons. That's the message that God is going to speak to Samuel. Samuel. So the message, God's message, is to Samuel, but it's not about Samuel. It's for Eli. God speaks to Samuel for Eli in order to communicate to him the message that he wanted him to know. Why didn't God just speak to Eli directly? Hmm. Secondly, Let's look at when God speaks. Verses 5 through 7. So I want to start in verse 3 again, just kind of to catch us up into these verses. So I'm going to start reading in 3. It says, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was laying down, that the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he answered and said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Look in verse 3. It says, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. That tells us something. It tells us that when God spoke to Samuel, it was in the early morning hours, just before dawn. One of the duties of the priest was that they were to make sure there was enough oil in the, the lampstand or the the candlestick, if it was, as it was called, that there would never run out of oil, that the lamp of God in the temple would always be lit as a sign and a symbol that God's light and his presence is always there for his people. So they, they never would want to let the oil run dry and the lamp then go out. So Samuel is here resting in God's presence, isn't he? He is young, but Eli has him ministering to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Samuel's ministering to the Lord, not the two sons of Eli. But that's when God speaks to Samuel, as he's resting in God's presence and ministering to the Lord. 
And at this point, Samuel is now reaching, as we said, the age of accountability. And God is going to require a personal relationship with Samuel so that he understands his voice and knows him for the call that God has on his life. And there are divine moments, aren't there? When God reveals himself to us. There are times when God will reveal himself. He'll speak to us. He'll make himself known to us. And at those strategic times, it's very important that we respond to him. That we don't just ignore him. That we don't just put off his voice and his call on our lives. But that we are very responsive when God speaks, he'll open the eyes of our understanding. He'll illuminate our minds. He'll give us understanding of him, and we'll know that he wants us to spend time with us. He's, he wants to show us something. He wants to tell us something. He wants to grow us in new ways. We need to respond to him at those times. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation... I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So we need to be careful to heed God's voice when he speaks to us. And God may be speaking to some of us here, even now, today, about our lives, about things he wants to do for us, through us, in us. God wants to speak to us. So Samuel is responsive to the Lord's voice, isn't he? Notice he's ministering to the Lord and he's focused upon the Lord in God's presence there in the tabernacle. And I want to draw your attention to this. It's a subtle difference. The difference between ministering to the Lord and ministering for the Lord. Yeah, there's a subtle difference. You see, when I'm giving a sermon, if I'm teaching Sunday school, if I'm cleaning the church uh, and doing things there around the church, I may be stacking chairs or wheeling chairs out to set them up in the morning. That's all ministering for the Lord. That's good. But it's different than ministering to the Lord. When I minister to the Lord, it's private and it's personal. It's not seen by you. It's not done for you. It's a time when I just spend time enjoying the presence of Jesus. It's time when I'm directing my attention and my focus upon him. And I want to submit to you, that ministering to the Lord is our highest calling as a Christian. That's what God saved us for. That's what he wants us to do in all eternity, is to focus our attention, our hearts, our desires, our dreams, our hopes, focus all of our being to him. It's something every one of us can do. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian and you just found Jesus and asked him to come into your life today, or you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. Every one of us can do this. You know, when you were a kid, you always liked it when your mom would 
cook you your favorite dinner, you know. It's like, oh, mom, that's great, you know. Or maybe, remember when you were a kid, you had like a favorite shirt, and, and you'd find it cleaned and ironed maybe, and it was hanging up in your closet, and you were like, yes, I can wear that today. It's not in the hamper all dirty. We loved that, didn't we? But those things were done for us. And those things, as wonderful as they are, they could never take the place of loving arms that wrapped around us, of praise for a job well done at school or around the house, or a kiss on the cheek because we knew that someone truly loved us and cared about us. Those things done for us could never replace the love and the adoration that is given to us. And it's the same way with Jesus. He wants not only that we direct our love for him in service, that's important, and he wants that, but more importantly, he wants us to direct our love to him personally. So number three, let's look at where God speaks. Verses 8 through 10. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And then he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. You know, it's not always easy to know when God is speaking to us. Not always. It requires listening. It requires submission. And it often requires confirmation. Notice in verse 3 that Samuel and Eli are very near to the holy place in the tabernacle where the ark of God was in the holiest of holy behind the veil. Understand this. This tabernacle that Samuel is ministering in is the same tabernacle in the wilderness that was walking around with the children of Israel 400 years earlier. 400 years. That's longer than our nation has even been around. So this tabernacle, the one in the wilderness the one covered with animal skins, has had a lot of use. And it's probably pretty worn out by this time, isn't it? And out of necessity, the children of Israel as a nation has grown, and, and it's probably getting a little small, worn out. So the priest probably at this time had added rooms around the tabernacle itself. And these rooms would be where the Levites and the priests, when they came, remember there were times when they would come and serve the Lord at different times? Where would they stay? They would stay in these rooms right there around the tabernacle. And that's probably where Samuel was lying, right there at a room close by the door to the tabernacle where he could hear God's voice speaking to him. Verse 10 says, Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Did you notice that? It says, The Lord came and stood. That means the Lord came personally 
and stood right there and spoke to Samuel. It doesn't say that he saw him, but he was present there. God himself was speaking to Samuel. And we must be ready and willing to obey, like Samuel, when God speaks to us. Because God will not continue speaking if we are unwilling to do what he is asking us to do. He's not going to just continue speaking if we keep ignoring him and tuning him out. So let me ask you a question. Think about this. Where do you hear the voice of God speak to you most clearly and most often? One of the places is in church, quite frankly, right here. In church where the word of God is being spoken, where I'm worshiping the Lord and my heart is just open, all the distractions and cares are being pushed away. Right here in church, in God's presence, he often will speak to me most, right, right here. And another place is in my private time with the Lord, just my time when I'm just praying. No one else is there. I'm just private with the Lord. I might have my Bible open. I might have it closed. I'm just praying, and I'm in his presence. In fact, it's interesting as I was pondering this that I remember so clearly one of those times that God spoke to me was in my private time just praying with the Lord. And God spoke to me, and he said, Steve, why don't you ask Pastor Aaron over there at Kingsfield Church if he would prayerfully consider merging his church with your church? Now, I kind of thought that was a crazy idea, and quite honestly, when I presented that to Pastor Aaron, so did he. But all of this merger started with God's voice speaking those two sentences to my heart and to my mind. Yeah, when God speaks, if we will be obedient, and that's all I did. I just presented it to him. He wasn't very receptive because he wasn't very optimistic that something like that could work, and that was fine because all I was told was just to ask him to pray about it. So the next time we met, which was several weeks later, maybe a month or two later, and when we met, I didn't even bring it up in the conversation. We talked and fellowshiped for about an hour over coffee. I didn't bring it up. You know why? If it's God, I do not need to bring it up again. If it, is God, if it isn't God, I do not want to bring it up again, right? So it was that simple. Kind of toward the end of our meeting, Pastor Aaron looked at me and said, so tell me, what would, you, what would that look like to merge our two churches? And I said, well, that's interesting you ask. Let's talk about some things that, that I've kind of pondered in these weeks that I've, I've thought about it. So that's kind of the importance of God speaking to us. It, it can really be directional and consequential, not only for our lives, but obviously for all of you that are here in the new church today. I would venture to say that most of you hear God's voice in those two places, your private time with the Lord or here at church. And I think many people hear God's voice here when the word of God is spoken or we're in worship. You know, it's interesting. 
Some people have come to me after a message and they said, Pastor Steve, I just was so blessed that you said such and such in your message and I just feel like God's speaking to me. I never said that. There's times when it's like, I never said what you just told me. You heard me say, or that you feel like God told you because he didn't use me. He's speaking to you. How could that be? How could it be that, that, that someone is hearing something they think I'm saying, but it's totally different. It's totally something else. I didn't even say it. How? Because that's the way God speaks through his word. That's the power of God's word. It, it's living. It's active. It's alive. It, it pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit. And, and so God speaks to us in ways that are, that are supernatural and doesn't use my words. He just uses the power of the Holy Spirit to speak, but it's so profoundly audible inside of us that we literally feel like we've heard it with our own ears. And so let me say, this is why it's really important to take opportunities like we are given to invite friends, neighbors, relatives, co-workers to come to church. Just come to church. You've got invites on your seat. Take these. There's more at the connection table. Take these and, and keep them with you so you can just hand them out. Invite someone to come to church because coming into the presence of God here as the body of Christ meets is so important to them hearing God's voice. As I was pondering this, I was reminded that 41 years ago, my precious wife, Lori, was invited by a friend, a co-worker, to come to church. And in that church service, she heard God's voice. She responded. And that's the point when she accepted Christ as her Savior. And it happens when God speaks to us so personally. And he does that most often for the non-believer in the presence of a church service. Four, why God speaks. Look at verse 11. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Wow. Verse 13, for I have told them, him rather, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. This is now a confirmation, isn't it, that the Lord has already revealed to Eli. He's already revealed this to Eli. What is coming now is a confirmation of this judgment. Once again, how would you like that for your first prophetic word? That's Samuel's first prophetic message. This message of judgment to the high priest and to his sons. Man, wow. So God holds us accountable, we see, for the things that we know about and allow to go on. 
Eli, as we've read in the previous chapters, Eli personally was not involved in the sins that his sons were committing. But he did know about them, and he didn't restrain his sons from their sins. And he didn't confront them. You know, Romans chapter 132 speaks of this. For knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So when we know of sin, it's important that we do confront it with godly wisdom and care. So why did God repeat this warning of judgment to Eli. We don't really know, but perhaps he was waiting for Eli to finally repent and do the right thing. Because we don't see, we see that the message came in chapter 2 to Eli. We don't see him repenting, responding to God in any way, do we? You know, when God reveals things to us, he's looking very closely at our response. Yeah, when he speaks or he sends a message to us, when he's speaking to our hearts, he's looking very closely. How are we going to respond to what he is saying to us? And, it, and depending upon the response, judgment could have been diverted here. I'm sure of it. In Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 38, you remember a king named Hezekiah? Isaiah comes before the king. He's got a message for the king, a message from God to the king. What's the message? Get your house in order, Hezekiah, because you're going to die soon. You know what Hezekiah does? He responds to that message. He turns his face to the wall, and he cries out to the Lord for mercy, that God would extend his life. And you know what God does? He hears him, and he extends his life 15 more years. Why? Because he responded to the word of the Lord in a right way. So why didn't God speak to Eli? Well, because when he first spoke to Eli, he didn't do anything about it. There is no mention of him uh, repenting in any way. Secondly, I want you to notice, Eli, when, when Eli knows that God is speaking to little Samuel, he doesn't even get out of bed, does he? Never gets out of bed. Little Samuel responds when God speaks and gets out of bed four times or three times there. And, and Eli never rolls over to get out of bed. And I think sometimes we miss God's voice because we're just apathetic to it. We just roll over. We won't get out of bed, so to speak, when he's speaking and it's quiet. He's looking and waiting for us to respond. He might want to be speaking some direction that he has for us or a word of correction or encouragement. We need to get out of bed. And I don't mean necessarily literally because God can certainly speak to us in bed. What I mean is get out of our comfort zone, move to a place where we are quiet before the Lord, where we're really listening and we're attentive to what he is wanting to speak to us. God speaks four times before Samuel finally responded. But we got to give Samuel credit. Every time he spoke, he got out of bed, didn't he? So when God, he interrupts our plans, 
He interrupts our sleep or our schedule. He often wants to speak to us at that time. So it's time for us to kind of get out of bed and respond to the Lord. Stop and pause and be still and listen. What is he saying to us? What does he want us to know? Verse 15, so Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word of the, that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So I think that God spoke to Samuel about his two sons and the judgment that was to come because Samuel's heart was tender and his heart was loving. And I think that's why God wanted to give this terrible message of judgment to little Samuel because he was tender-hearted and he was sensitive. I'm sure if he was 12 years old, like Josephus says, I'm sure that Samuel knew what was going on with those two sons, and he knew it was wrong. But this word that God gives to Samuel, it's breaking his heart. Notice Samuel doesn't respond in an attitude of, great, those two wicked men, they're going to finally get what they deserve. No, his heart is broken. That's not the, the heart of Samuel. And it's not to be our heart as God's servants as well. Do you remember in the book of Daniel when Daniel the prophet is given the task of interpreting, of interpreting rather, the second dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has? And when he gets the interpretation, it says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, oh, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Why? Why would he say that? Because Daniel was heartbroken even for this pagan king because judgment was coming against him from God. And, and even when God speaks to us, and the message may be difficult, God is expecting us to present that message with a heart that's loving, but also presents the truth in tenderness. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. It says, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. What that means is that word reveal means to lay bare, to reveal secrets. So Samuel had this very deep 
spiritual, personal communication with the Lord that developed throughout his life. And it says that Samuel's prophetic gift was so powerful and so accurate that God didn't allow any of his words to fall to the ground. Everything he spoke in the name of the Lord came to pass. Wow. Samuel's a very interesting man, and we're going to see this more as we continue to study through the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel serves God's people during the time of the judges as the last judge. Okay? So he's the last of the judges during the time of the judges. But he also has the privilege, rare privilege, of serving and ministering kind of as a priest in the temple. And then Samuel goes on to found what's kind of been known as the school of the prophets. So Samuel is really not the first prophet of God, but he's the first prophet that actually establishes an, an office and a ministry and a school for prophets like Elijah and Elisha and other prophets. So Samuel's the one that kind of starts that. And Samuel is the one who anoints Israel's first king and second king. Wow. So Samuel is a very key person at a pivotal time in Israel's history. I want to conclude with our title for the, for the sermon today, Here I Am. We've heard that several times in the chapter 3. In the Hebrew, the word is hine, hine, one word, hine, and it's translated, Here I Am. These words, here I am, the Hebrew, hene, are the exact words that Abraham, when God called him to the Mount Moriah to offer his only son, responded to God this way. And it says in Genesis 22.1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. So God told Abraham to give up his hopes and his dreams. These same words, hene, are the same words of Israel or Jacob. When God told him to go somewhere, he didn't want to go. In Genesis 46, 2, it, it says, Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. And God told Jacob, get out of your comfort zone. I have somewhere for you to go. I have something for you to do. These same words are the words of Moses and his response when God spoke out of the burning bush in the wilderness. Remember Exodus chapter 3 verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he had turned and turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. God told Moses to do something he felt completely incapable of doing, unqualified to accomplish. These are the same words of Isaiah when God asked him to go and be a messenger 
to the lost people of Israel. Isaiah 6, 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And God told Isaiah, as you see the needs of people around you, go and meet those needs and bring truth to many people. Let's stand. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, give us a childlike faith. And give us ears to hear your voice. Lord, give us an obedient heart, a responsive heart. That when we do hear you, and you do ask us to do something, to go somewhere, to say something, to step out of our comfort zone, to go where we may not want to go, to do what we may not want to do. To give you something we may not want to give you. Lord, help us to learn from these wonderful saints of old. To have an obedient and responsive heart that would be submitted to you. That we too might say, Hine. Here I am, Lord. Send me.